CGM has been a blessing for people with type 1 diabetes. It has changed the game in how we manage our blood sugars. But in some ways, CGM has also been a curse. Getting information constantly on our phones, on our pumps, on our watches, let's be honest, it causes a distraction. It makes us think about diabetes a lot more than we want to. On this episode of the podcast, I'm talking to Jessica. Jessica, like many of us, looks at her CGM way too much, and she feels like she has to respond to every little movement in her blood sugars. Then she does, and then she ends up stacking insulin and making herself go low, and then over-treating and setting herself high, and it's back and forth all over the place. Her blood sugars are always on her mind and always more variable than she wants them to be, all because of CGM. Welcome to the Live Free with T1D podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast that coaches you through a five-step plan for how to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes. We do this by helping you build the critical parts of your diabetes management like a sailboat. You are the captain, the hull of the boat is your diabetes knowledge and management, the sails are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and your crew is your support team. If you build the five parts of your diabetes management sailboat correctly, you'll find smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. Each week, I coach someone with type 1 diabetes just like you on how to optimize their sailboat. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. And on this episode of the podcast, we are focusing on the hull of the boat and the rudder. That's your diabetes education and knowledge, as well as your behavior. When you're using a CGM, you're focusing on your diabetes management all the time. And understanding what it is and how it's managed and when you need to react is really important. But then the reaction is also important. And that goes to your behavior, that's the rudder of the boat. I wanna help you to use information about your blood sugars and to influence your behavior in a way that's gonna be helpful for you, both for your mindset, your cognitive load, and your diabetes management. In this episode, I talked to Jessica about how she can better use the information her CGM's giving her to manage her diabetes without getting overwhelmed. If you've ever been overwhelmed by all the information your CGM is giving you, and it's causing you to overmanage your diabetes, this episode is going to help you so much. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. It's exciting to have you here and looking forward to helping you out. Yes, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. So I know that you are having some challenges with your Dexcom and your yeah. CGM and, and the data that's all the constant data that you're getting and then being able to manage your blood sugars based on that data, maybe just even a little bit too much. But before we go into that, yeah. I want to hear a little bit about you and a little bit about your life with type 1 diabetes uh, right now and in the past and what's going on for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was diagnosed with type 1 when I was 4, so uh, I've been living with it for a long time, uh, you know, over 30 years, and, um, you know, I, I also actually am a designer. I work in the diabetes space because of uh, using a lot of these technologies over the years and thinking to myself, there's got to be a way these could be improved. <laughs> so I actually pursued that and I am actively, you know, working as a product designer, UX designer um, in in this space um, and on these products. And yeah, I, it's been interesting 
just using CGM. So for a long time, I didn't use a pump or CGM. I was sort of opposed to these technologies, you know, throughout like my young adulthood. And um, so I started using a pump when I was, you know, kind of late in college. So like, you know, um, early 20s. And I, it was even later that I started using CGM. So I, I but I think I've been using CGM probably about uh, maybe nine, eight or nine years now. But, the, you know, and of course, these devices have helped me get in a, a level of control um, I, I needed to be in. And I, and I, you know, I'm very attached to them and the value that they bring. Um, and I, it makes me feel really comforted. And I think, you know, technology's come a long way. And I'm, I feel fortunate that I'm living at a time where I can use these things. But at the same time, it's interesting that there are there is this other side of the way that, you know, I come at this from a design angle. So I think there's design um, considerations here, right? With the way that things are designed that I actually have a reaction, um, an overreaction to the, the way the CGM alerts and arrows and the, the the way it looks like such an emergency, even if, you know, I know I can adjust settings and do different things like that. I, I do a lot of insulin stacking and I know that what I'm doing is not great, but I, I almost like have this emotional override where I can't help myself. And I, even if I'm like, you know, at 180, I'm like, let me take a little insulin and then it'll alert me again. And I take a little bit more and a little bit more just to kind of quiet the noise and the visuals and to make it stop even though i know that i will then crash later so that's kind of the main thing that that i i wanted to talk about today so you said a couple of things that are really interesting one is you feel like the visuals and the the audio of the cgm make your blood sugars feel like an emergency and i want to hear yes. a little bit more about that and why you use that word yeah I'm, I mean, because the sounds, you know, are, are very intense, you know, they're not calming sounds that that's on purpose, right? There's, there's a reason these are designed the way they are, you know, so that if you are sleeping, it wakes you up at night, or if you're in an urgent situation that, that you will be alerted. And I've been in those situations and I'm thankful for that level of intensity um, you know, in those moments, but sometimes it's not warranted or, you know, I've also noticed, yeah, it's just, it's that, you know, the, the double arrows up or the, the single arrow up, you know, um, those kinds of things make me feel like, oh no, if I don't do something right now, it's going to get worse. And I know insulin t- can take a couple hours, but it's the only action, you know, some, every once in a while, I'll like go for a walk to take an action, you know, that I feel like is maybe you know, when I'm in a situation that feels like a healthier reaction, but I, I don't always take that step. I will often just give myself a little bit of insulin, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it feels like I need to do something. Um, and so I'm, I'm doing unhealthy things. Taking action is um, really important yeah. there. And you want to feel like you're in control. Yeah. I want to feel like I'm going to affect it. Or if I just kind of leave it, because I've also tried that, like, let me just leave it, then, you know, it's getting worse and getting worse, you know, before it gets better. And I know that that's just how it goes. But yeah. 
I still do What it. happens for you on the low side? Because it sounds like what you've been talking about is when your blood sugars are on the higher side that you start stacking mm-hmm. insulin. What happens when you see your blood sugars yeah. down? I'm, I have a much more measured response to that. I have, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sensitive to the, you know, like I, I have very specific juice boxes and, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to take like seven sips of this. You know, I have a certain mechanism and it also, the re the glycemic reaction is much quicker to that. So I think it's just a different relationship where I'm not feeling like I need to keep doing something until it's back in range. Like it, it, it's a more quick reaction than insulin, right. Is able to do. So I don't have this sort of same issue. And I think that might be why, but yeah, I, I'm, I have a kind of like specific juice box like mechanism and then I wait and, you know, I'm able to do that kind of like waiting and the alarm sounds and all of that tend to kind of match when, maybe I need a treat again, right? So um, even though I have, so with the settings of, you know, checking, well, it'll alert you again at a certain stage, that's sort of appropriate with a low, but it's not as appropriate with a high. And even though I have my high settings to say, don't bother me, or don't bother me for three hours, it still alerts me every 30 minutes for some reason. So I... I still am getting this sort of visual. I'm still getting the sounds, even though insulin doesn't work that fast. So and then you, I think and then that's why I have a, yeah. And then you end up crashing. Like, if you're stacking insulin, what happens to your blood sugars after yes. all the insulin? Then I crash. Happens? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 You mentioned before we mm-hmm. got on today uh, that you had an example that you wanted to share. So why don't you talk about yes. what happened uh, in this example? We can kind of walk through that yes. process. Yeah, so last Thursday, it was actually like late Wednesday, I I had a CGM change, right, at probably like 10.45 p.m. So I was getting ready for bed, but I changed, you know, I changed my CGM. And then usually I try to like stay awake to kind of see where things are at. But anyway, I fell asleep. And then I get, you know, and sometimes when it's like a new sensor, it's a little off, right? Um, so I had it like said I was low, you know, all caps low, like arrow down, you know, and it woke me up at, you know, I guess like 1am. And I checked my glucose and it wasn't low. So I calibrated and, you know, anyway, it still, it still was, you know, it still alerted me. And then I ended up being low and treated it. Um, So then it was kind of a, a sleepless night in general. Um, of kind of monitoring and getting alerted. And I didn't know if it was sensory issues or glycemic issues. Um, and But then at around like 4 a.m., I started getting high alerts. And my, you know, my high threshold is, I, I, I set it to be kind of let me know around like 180, you know. So I, I was, I started to, I, I gave myself the bolus that my, um, so I'm on Omnipod too. So it, I entered the glucose level I was at and then it recommended, you know, a bolus of like 0.6 or whatever. So I took that, but then I'm, I got alerted again, you know, 30 minutes later. And so I ended up taking, you know, 0.4 units, you know, it's not something my pump said to do, but it was something I just did 
because I'm like sleeping. It's like 5 a.m. I'm or 4 a.m. You know, and at that point, I'm just like, I want it to stop, you know, and I want to kind of get some rest. Um, and I was just kind of running high because that's just kind of how things go. It takes a while. Um, so it didn't finally start kicking in, um, you know, until maybe six or six thirty. But then by I was so I was sleeping in, but by, you know, I was woken up and had to get up and eat, you know, by 8 a.m. because I was crashing. So it's just that's a and I wasn't like skyrocketing, you know, the, we're talking like still I didn't get higher than maybe, you know, 198 or whatever. But the whole time, but I'm still just micromanaging it and trying to, you know, get some rest. And and I still make these kinds of micro decisions, even if I'm not in this state of like, no sleep, I, I will do it, actively do it in the daytime too. So, but that's just a very concrete example. It sounds like there's a story that you're telling yourself. If I'm not in control of my diabetes, if, if my blood sugars go too high and I'm not able to have an impact on it, that something that you don't want to have happen will happen. And I'm curious, does that ring true for you? And if so, what is that thing? What is the story that is going through your mind there? I think it's true. I mean, I think it's like the thing that will happen is I will just keep going higher and higher and it's going to, you know, require more effort to get back in range or it might, you know, mess up the next thing I'm trying, you know, the meal that I'm, I've got coming up or an event or, you know, my partner or whatever it is. I think that there's, there's different things that I'm trying to get it to stop. Ultimately I want it to stop, you know, alarming and, and I want to sleep and I want to kind of be healthy while I sleep or, you know, or whatever. I want to, all of these events kind of lead to other events where I'm trying to make, make things be okay for that. Right. So I, I think it's sort of just this like near term future wanting to be in control. Um, yeah. There's something about seeing highs and that, that, I don't know, there's a different maybe self-criticism or just, I don't know. It's a different type of fear that it's just going to stay high and keep getting high. And I need to like do something about it. Um, and I'm being like screamed at by the device to do something about it too, visually or audibly. Have you ever had so, a situation where you've been in DK or you've had a really awful thing happen because your blood sugar has been high? I have never been a DKA. No. I mean, I've had more, it's like hypoglycemic emergency room situations, but not and that's like I was when I was little um, and maybe once in, in grad school. But yeah, I I have not I'm not trying to avoid DKA. I don't know. It's just I think it's just a matter of, you know, I know how it feels to be high and I know, you know, how how it can take a while to like get back in range. So I almost just want that to happen as quickly as possible mm-hmm. so that I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and you're experiencing something that lots of people with that type one experience, myself included, is yeah, impatience, wanting mm-hmm. a, wanting wanting immediate impact to your to your behaviors, and yeah, you know, we, because when we eat, we see an immediate impact because our blood sugar spikes, and right. we, we we want that immediate gratification of bringing being able to bring our blood sugar down. 
And when that right. doesn't happen, it can get, get uncomfortable. It's not very much fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but it is something too, that I think is sort of CGM specific. This was not behavior I had when I was using, you know, blood glucose meters, right? Because you're, okay. you're almost, you have to take these extra steps to kind of understand that level that you're at, right? And if in this example, I'm sleeping, I'm not going to be knowing, you know, every 30 minutes, every 15 minutes, like where things are at. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a break from it unless I'm symptomatic, right? Um, or unless I check. So there's almost this different, you know, level of, um, you know, just it's constant. The constant is the, 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 the pro and the con of it, I think. And it's just, I, I never stacked or this is very CGM specific behavior. I just did not do it before. <laughs> so I want to throw a couple of things out here for you. And I don't expect you to do either one of these things, but I would love to hear your reaction to these suggestions. Okay. One is, what would it be like to just not use your CGM anymore? Take it off and take a break from it. Mm-hmm. Um, like a, yeah. Either for a I, week or a month or, or permanently. I don't know what it would be like. I think, I think it would be, you know, there is something that is nice about, there's a comfort to it, but then there's also a like, you know, there's a different I don't know. I, I think I would be worried about something bad happening if I didn't have it and I didn't know, um, you know, those kinds of things too. So I think that's the kind of duality where it, it's great, but then it's also terrible, you know, at the yeah, same time. It's a, it's a love-hate relationship because so, it's giving you so much, yeah. it's also giving you too much. Yeah. It causes you problems. Yeah. I mean, for me, I would, yeah, I think it would be like if the settings actually would be I mean, if there was a way to almost, yeah, go ahead. Maybe you have another idea that I'm thinking of. Go ahead. (laughs) What about increasing your alarm settings? So instead of alarming you at 180, it's alarming you at 220 or 250. So it's still serving the purpose and giving you the opportunity to, to not let your blood sugar keep on going high and stay high, but it's not alarming you so frequently yeah. or at, at levels where you may be wanting to correct if if you when you do get alarm if the alarm is the the culprit yeah i mean i have played with different levels and i do sometimes do that in the middle of the night where i'll change it because it doesn't the repeat cycle it doesn't really honor the settings that i have so the way the hack is to sort of put it at a higher threshold um, and during the day, I also don't, I don't have it alarm me at all. Um, cause I'm checking enough. Uh-huh. It's really just overnight that, and my fear about it being there is that if I get up to 220, you know, like, and I'm not fixing it earlier, it's going to be even harder to get it back in range. So that's a reason, but yeah, I mean, I've played with that. It's just a little bit like, um, you know, there's a consequence to that and too. What's the consequence? Um, going h- even higher than what I would have, and then it even being hard, like taking even longer to get back into range. 
because uh, I think sometimes that can I don't know there's like a stickiness or something to the high where it just takes longer to get back in range and then my whole morning I feel like would be thrown off by you know because if you're eating breakfast on top of a 200 versus on top of a you know 100 that's like a different situation so yeah Oh, I hear you. And, and when your blood sugar is higher, <laughs> you're right. You are more insulin resistant. And so right, um, that's that, right. That frustration level gets even higher. And then you want to, you want to control yeah. it even more. Yeah. I talk to people with type 1 diabetes every day. And every day is clear to me that people at T1D need a plan. They need a plan to follow to manage the emotional burden of living with diabetes. Without a plan to manage the stress, Life with diabetes is overwhelming. You feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose and you have no idea how to feel steady on your feet and find the peace of mind you're looking for. You feel like diabetes takes away your freedom to live a normal life. A plan to manage the emotional burden of T1D is very simple. There are five frameworks you need to know. And if you know these five frameworks, you have a plan for how to deal with any stress diabetes throws your way. With this plan, you'll be clear about what you're doing right now and what you need to do next. That's exactly what you get when you join Live Free with T1D. At Live Free with T1D, I coach you to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. You are the captain. The hull of the boat is your diabetes knowledge and management. The sails are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and your crew is your support system. If you build the five parts of your sailboat correctly, you'll be sailing smoothly with type 1 diabetes. All of that is part of the plan that's available to you when you join Live Free with T1D. Plus, as part of Live Free with T1D, I host a live coaching event every month where you get access to me and have the opportunity to ask me questions and even get personalized coaching. To join Live Free with T1D, Go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. Join other people with type 1 diabetes just like you who have a plan to find peace of mind and freedom in their lives with type 1 diabetes. I think the important thing here for Jessica is understanding and being and really paying attention to the stories that you're telling yourself about what having high blood sugar means and how high it's going to go. Because, yeah. you know, it sounds, it sounds to me like the story you're telling yourself, or at least part of it is that if my blood sugar goes high, it's going to keep going higher. And mm-hmm. if I don't get it down, then something, some big, bad negative outcome is going to happen to me in the future. Or, or even mm-hmm. right now, and I, I and I'm going to feel out of control, and so yeah, there, there's two stories. What's going to happen to my blood sugar, and, and just the reality of, of whatever the graph looks like. Um, and that's one one thing, and then there's the the next story that you tell yourself is if that happens, or right now I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling like my like I am out of control of my blood sugars, and I I ha- I need to get back into control. And I want you. I wanted to ask you, not necessarily to answer right now, but to think about over the next little while: is one, am I really out of control? 
And two, if I feel out of control, what is so bad about that? What's going to happen? Because those mm-hmm. stories really give us insight into how we think about and manage our diabetes. And I think that for you, you know, of course, having high blood sugar, whether for you it's 180 or 220 or 250, whatever that number yeah. is, when we see those numbers on our CGM and I feel the same way, it's uncomfortable. And yeah. You have to ask yourself, can I handle that? Can I, can I handle that discomfort and be patient to, come mm-hmm. to you know, allow the insulin to do its job? And I see you making a face there. And that, that, that impatience and that, it, well, it's, the, it's the patience with the discomfort. It's not, yeah. the, it's not the patience with your blood sugars. It's the patience with yourself and feeling uncomfortable in that situation. And here's right. what happens though, is when we, when we feel uncomfortable, whether it's with diabetes or with anything else, and we immediately work to squash that discomfort or try to control it, it usually, right. it usually works in the short term. But in the long term, it just all it does is keep it, it keeps up that cycle of I feel uncomfortable I have to avoid it which then causes you the problems that you're here t- we're talking about in the first place is being so overwhelmed and so hyper um, aware of all of the visual and auditory data coming into you from the CGM so you can see how it mm-hmm. kind of plays plays this role and so what I want to encourage you to do is one you know catch catch those stories you're telling yourself you're saying okay well I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling my blood sugar to keep on going higher, and you know, and then and those are real stories. I mean, those are real thoughts that you're having. But then you add meaning on top of that. If that happens, it means that I'm going to be in danger. It means I'm going to not be able to handle the situation. It means, you know, it it means whatever it means to you. And then that causes you to behave in a certain way. And so, if you can be aware of those stories, it really helps you to um, nip them in the bud and say, okay, I'm aware of this thought that I'm having. And, but I'm not going to let it continue on, or I'm going to be aware, aware as it continues on and not have that impact my behavior, not, which then becomes this, this cycle for you, because then you'll get frustrated because it's so overwhelming for you with your behavior and then, your, and then your, your lows you have to deal with. And it becomes more of a challenge for you than the high blood sugar was in the first place. And not that a high blood sugar is yeah. not a fun thing, but it becomes, it becomes challenging for you. Yeah. And the, and yeah, the I mean, that makes, it makes sense. Okay. And then the next step is actually, you know, taking, you know, changing your behavior based on that ability to handle discomfort. So you're sitting there saying, okay, I'm not very comfortable right now. And so changing your, changing your behavior might look like allowing that discomfort to stay there while you don't look at your blood sugars or while you don't correct it. And my bet is, is that if you're able to do that, if you're able to catch those stories and then change your behavior. And in this way, the changing behavior is not actually being active. It's being um, not active by, by stepping back. At first, it's going to be really hard. I I can see again, you're, it it makes you uncomfortable to to even think about that. However, if you've, if you ever, ever changed your behavior in other ways before, whether it's, you know, starting an exercise routine or uh, changing the way that you eat at first, that change, because it's, it's a change of habit can be really uncomfortable, but the more you practice it, the easier it gets, the easier it gets. But the, the, the challenge here, it's the challenge for all of us, is that, that those beginning stages of that initial discomfort and changing the behavior, changing the habit becomes really difficult. And that's usually where the roadblock happens for us actually making 
these long-term changes to our behavior, even though we know that the, that the behavior is based on our mindset and the stories that we're telling ourselves that may not be completely accurate. Um, and so it's, it, it, but, I, but I, the, way I, the way I think about it is it's a little bit of discomfort for, a lot, for long-term success. And um, as you're doing this, if you, if you decide to take this and run with it, is remember why this is such a problem for you in the first place. How much energy and time the thoughts about microcorrecting are taking up for you. Because it sounds like, mm-hmm. like if you're paying attention and, and microcorrecting all the time, it takes up a lot of headspace. And then you go low, it takes up even more headspace. Right. And, and so um, you, have, you have to balance those things and wonder if you're able to deal with that short-term discomfort, kind of like going for a run for the first time if you haven't ran in five years. That, that first run is going to be really challenging. But the more you do it, one, you get in the habit of doing it, but also your body gets in, the, in shape and you're able to um, just feel better about that experience, um, both mentally but also physically because you're, you're conditioning yourself to get to that place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it all makes sense. I think the, you know, I, I tell myself too, it's not a lack of, awareness but I guess just sort of that the comfort you know maybe there is this narrative I can say you know recognize that I'm uncomfortable I don't need to act on it um those things it's just easy for those things to get eroded by the next time I look at the information and I or I get an alarm or I see a color change or a double arrow when it used to be a single arrow or Mm -hmm an arrow going, yeah, straight up from angled up, um, that those things trigger me back into that space of, I need to do something now. And so that's where it really is something. I, one thought that just came to my head too, was like, maybe I just turn off Bluetooth or something and set my own alarm on my phone just so I can just not see all of that happening or hear it. Um, you know, is there some way to do a temporary break that is, that will, I mean, I don't know if I'd be able to help myself and just like turn it back on and look, but where it takes more steps to look might be something that I need because I'm very extrinsically motivated, you know? So we can all day talk about like how the thoughts I can do, you know, for myself and within myself, but once there's some external judgment, I really, that motivates me to do something. You know what I mean? So that is a really huge factor. And that is why I do this, you know, or at least that's the story I guess I'm telling myself, but I also think it's real. And there's a reality there that no matter how much I have this internal thought, there's this external factor that's sort of giving me challenge to work with like every moment, you know, and to overcome that discomfort every moment and not see a change in that value for hours, you know? So it's just a lot um, that I, that's why I'm making the faces that I'm, I'm imagining me trying to say to myself at 4am, you're just uncomfortable, you know, it's just take some time. And then I'm looking at this visual information or I get this alert that's saying, you're not doing a good job and you, you need to take some action. Mm-hmm. 
it's, so, it's just that's the challenge I think that I'm that's what causes me to make a face so, so, <laughs> when I imagine this yeah a, a yeah. couple comments as we wrap up today so one one is I want to just point out to you that what you just talk, talked about is very real but they're, they're also stories that you're telling yourself that it's, it's, it's this is going to be hard for me and it's going to be challenging mm-hmm. and I no doubt I'm not I'm not saying that it's not I'm just saying that that those stories are not particularly helpful all the time the other thing mm-hmm. is, is I, I think that you're right. I think that setting yourself up for success in this way and finding ways that work within your life to set you up for success so that you can follow through is helpful. So whether that means turning off of turning off your Bluetooth and setting an alarm for yourself and checking your blood sugar every 15, 20 minutes, and by doing that, making it harder for you to actually break the rules that you set for yourself is helpful. Yeah. So, you know, for I mean, like, you know, you may maybe in the middle of the night put your phone across the room from your bed, and so in order to actually check it, you have to get up out of bed and make a conscious decision <laughs> as, as opposed to reaching over. That's an mm-hmm. example. But also, I think you know, as you're working on this process, setting rules for yourself um, so that you so that at four a.m. you have something to fall back on. You have a plan. So you say, I'm only going to check, I'm only going to correct my blood sugar. I'm making this up, but you know, if it goes over 200 before it was one, before it was 180 or if I felt like it, and now I'm committing to do that. And so when you're wondering, can, can I do this? You'd say, okay, well, once it goes over that number, then yes, I can. But until then mm-hmm. I've, I've got to sit here with it. And how am I going to deal with that discomfort? I'm going to you know, take a deep breath. I'm going to um, watch TV, whatever that is doesn't really matter. But I think that as long, because in those moments of stress, you're just grasping for control. And if you have a plan about how to implement that beforehand, and then see what happens. See, are, am I able to stick to that? Um, what was challenging for sticking to that? It, is this plan effective and appropriate? Those can really give you the tools that you need to get to the place where you're, you're able to at least practice this. And then lastly, mm-hmm. give yourself some grace. I think that this stuff is hard and I have no expectation of anybody to be able to say, yes, I'm going to leave this coaching session and go off and be okay with being uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's a it's yeah. baby steps. And you'll be surprised that if you're able to make a 5% improvement, how much that's going to help you overall. Because if you if you let the story go 5% less than it did before, that's actually a huge improvement. And so recognize that yes, you're probably not going to be perfect. Actually, you're definitely not going to be perfect. And that's okay. But perfection is not the goal with diabetes, with your emotions or with your blood sugars. Progress is the goal. And by being aware, by taking steps forward, that progress will come if you allow it to and if, you, if you're patient enough. And again, that patience with yourself is just as important as your patience with your blood sugars. Yeah. So I hope that that has been helpful for you. In thinking about yeah. this, you know, I, I know it's complicated and there's no easy answers because we want easy answers in this. We all do. And th- with these emotional things um, and our blood sugars, there's not always an answer that we can just check the box and say, we're good. I, it's easy. Um, let's go home. It is a constant work in progress. But the more you try and the more intentional you are, the more progress you'll make. And I think that you'll see some great changes if you're able to do that and able to recognize that discomfort is part of the process. Yeah. So, and I think there's some design opportunities in there. Just saying. Absolutely. And, <laughs> I mean, and, and I think that with design, I mean, I'm not an expert in design by any means, but 
in terms of how you know what the design does, you know, certainly it's it's serving some function now, but is there a function that it, that it could that it's not serving, and how can that be fixed? Right. Um, and also, just being aware of what's going on and how that behavioral science is working for you and helping you or not helping you, I think is a really important part of the process. Yeah. So, Awesome. Je- well, thank Jessica, you so thank much. You so much for jo- You're welcome. Thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. And I hope that this has been helpful for you yes. and also for the listeners. Yes. Hope so too. All right. All right. Thanks so much. At the end of every episode, I give you some key action items you can use from this podcast episode to implement in your life so you can have an easier time managing the stress of type 1 diabetes. The key takeaway from this episode is put your CGM receiver away for a little while. You don't need to look at it all the time. And yes, it's going to cause you anxiety. It's going to cause you some discomfort at first. But if you're able to do it on a regular basis, you'll be able to see that you can trust the CGM to alert you when you're high or when you're low. And that will take off some of the cognitive load that you have in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I know that we can all use a little less thinking about type 1 diabetes. And this is one way to get there. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat, so you can have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.